Good morning, church. Now, we all have stories to tell about how we met our, or you met your wife or your husband. And I know some of us have um, some, some stories that are dramatic, and some stories are different. And uh, if, it's like my, if it's just like mine, my, my story was different, and I, just, I still pray that God have mercy on my soul on what happened that day. So a friend of mine invited me in, in college in Nigeria to come teach a series on the book of Romans. In his, he has a prayer group that he pray for the nation and all uh, and the college. So I went there to teach on the book of Romans. I didn't finish chapter one, but I, w- I left with a wife. So that was my story. That's why I said, the Lord have mercy on my soul. Because I didn't get to finish chapter one of the series, but I left with my bride. Amen. In one of uh, the chapters of his book, Love Divine and Unfailing, the Gospel According to the Book of Hosea, Michael Barrett writes about how the marriage portrait helps us to put the book of Hosea in perspective. He said, God has made marriage a choice symbol of his own relationship with his people. The spiritual parallel lifts family life to a high and, and significant plane. The love of Christ for his people regulates and defines the love the husband should show his wife, and the loyalty of the church to Christ indicates the faithful loyalty the wife should show to her husband. Christian husbands and wives owe to Christ the purification of their relations, and the sanctification of their homes. God ordained marriage for the lifelong companionship, help, and comfort, which the husband and wife ought to have for each other. In the covenant of marriage, both husband and wife must commit themselves to each other completely in compassion and understanding. Marriage is a, co- is a covenant of faith and trust between a man and a woman. I repeat, between a man and a woman. A covenant of hope that endures all things. A covenant of love in which both husband and wife empty themselves of self and their own concerns concerns, and esteem each other more highly than themselves. It is not surprising that that God so often uses marriage to communicate spiritual truths to his people. Indeed, a good marriage that fulfills all the requirements of love and loyalty becomes a never-ending sermon of the gospel itself. However, a marriage that fails is tragic. It has turned out contrary to expectation, but it is nonetheless spiritually instructive. One way or another, there's always a message in a marriage. A brief overview of the book of Hosea, whichever school of thought you believe, some believe that it never happened, that how can a prophet go marry a prostitute? But no matter the school of thought you believe, you agree with me that God was calling his people to repentance for breaking the covenant in the book of Hosea. After the message 
has been portrayed through the life of Hosea going to marry a prostitute, and he had three children with, that, with, that, with a prostitute. Hosea began chapter 4 with a very long sermon. And in this, he began to talk about what has happened in his life. Indeed, there is a need for him to explain it because it never made sense. So he began to teach, tell the people what the Lord has done by him having to marry a prostitute. I mean, we see this pattern all around Scripture where uh, God uses a man for something and he now begins to speak about what has happened, the lessons from there. We saw it in the book of Acts. The people saw the people speaking other languages and they were surprised. And the Bible said that Peter stood up and began to preach to the people and explain to them what has happened. So the lessons from a godly life, as good and encouraging it is, it's not the means that God has ordained for men for repentance. The means that the Lord has ordained is through the preaching of the gospel. So we can live a godly life. Oh, praise God for that. It's encouraging. But through the preaching of the gospel is what the Lord has ordained as a means to call men to repentance. So this morning, I would like you to turn with me to our text this morning. Our text today is from the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. And the title of our sermon, yes, I didn't forget that. The title of our sermon today is A Good Controversy. And today, our key words for our worshipers in training is faithfulness, knowledge, and law. Hosea chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast law, and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, even the fish of the sea, are taken away. Yet let no one contend, and let none accuse. For with you is my contention, O priest. You shall stumble by day. The prophet also shall stumble with you by night. And I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you for being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I, will also, I, I also will forget your children. Hosea begins his sermon not in a friendly way. I bet, I bet his tone was not sort of a gentle tone. As one would say, as he says to Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Hosea brings a three-count charge against Israel. He said, no faithfulness, no steadfast law, no knowledge of God. Now, this is a different kind of lawsuit that you expect in our human court system. In this lawsuit, who, God is the judge and God is the plaintiff. And what it means is that the defendant in no way can be guiltless. Because when you come before the Lord, indeed, 
you can't be guiltless. Now let's dig into our text by answering some questions this morning and look at how this applies to us today. And finally, we'll close with a call from this text. The first question I want us to look at in answering this today is, why the controversy? Why was it controversy initially? Hosea said, Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Why a controversy here? Now, we need to look at exactly who are the characters here in this text, verse 1. We see who, which is God, and to whom, which is his people. Now, what kind of relationship does God have with his people? It's the kind that we just described in marriage, which is a covenant relationship. The Bible said in Exodus 6, verse 1 to 8, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see that I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of the land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. He went on to say that, I, moreover, I have heard the groaning of my people. I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the slavery to, de- to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with a great act of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and with great acts of judgment. I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out of Egypt from under the burdens of Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham. The relationship between God and Israel is a covenant relationship, just as marriage. A covenant of grace between a greater and a lesser. God initiated the covenant. He blessed the covenant. He ordained the covenant. Israel is God's special people. A priest unto God. He chose him for himself. He sanctified them. Now this is God, the God of the covenant. When the children of Israel look at that, they say, our God. They are proud to say that God is our God. And God says, you are my people. And this is how God describes his people, Israel. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. It wasn't about their numbers. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandment to a thousand generations. 
And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep you with the covenant and the steadfast love that is swore to your fathers. Now, this is the relationship between God and his people. And God did not choose them because they were pleasant. God did not choose Israel because Israel was beautiful. There was nothing attractive about Israel. There was nothing attractive about them. They were the fewest of all people. And God poured out his love upon them. Church, it's not surprising that God used marriage to portray his relationship with his people. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is God-ordained. And it's the most intimate relationship between a man and a woman. And when I say again, I repeat, between a man and a woman. And a big amen to that. In Christ, we are joined in holy matrimony as his, as his bride. Just as it wasn't the number that God chose Israel, rather because he loved them, so also the church is not special because of our number. The church is not special because we are scattered all over the world. The church is special because of Christ. The beauty of the church was in no way the reason of Christ's love for her. Christ loved the church. And Christ's love for the church is found not in the church but in Christ himself. Just as God loved Israel in spite of who they were, Similarly, Christ loved his church in spite of who they were and not because of who they were. The covenant-keeping God chose his people Israel, delivered them with a strong hand by himself, for himself, in himself, and to himself. So why wouldn't he have a controversy with them when they do not, when they do not walk in that covenant? Brothers and sisters, we who are wretched sinners, condemned, without hope because of our sins, God delivers us, delivered us from the bondage of sin by his grace alone. Brought us into a covenant relationship in Christ alone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The new creation is not a superhuman, but rather a humbled man, humbled by the cross of Christ. You're not a new creation because you did something spectacular. You're not a new creation because you attend church every day. You're not a new creation because you grew up in church. You're a new creation because Christ saved you, redeemed you, and brought you into covenant relationship with himself. But this describes the church of God, the people of God. But this does not describe anyone outside of that church. So if you're a sinner, if you have not repented of your sin, This does not describe you. This describes God's people. Only God's people are in covenant relationship with him. So why does God have a controversy with his people? Because they broke the covenant. They broke the covenant. 
Just as the marriage covenant is an intimate relationship, the people of God broke that covenant with, his, with God. And that's why the Lord has a controversy with them. And so this brings us to the next question. What is this controversy? As we see in verse 1, he says, there's no faithfulness. There's no steadfast love and there's no knowledge. Three controversies the Lord has against his people. No faithfulness. No steadfast love. No knowledge of God. What does that mean? Hosea in his first sermon, in his very beginning of his sermon, says to the people of God that they completely lack, there was a complete lack of truth and honesty in Israel. Why is Hosea saying this? That these people, is not saying that they have a shortcoming, but they have a complete lack of honesty. And why is that? In Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 to 6, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall, ha- you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today, you shall be, shall be on your heart. This was God speaking to his people. They hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Marriage is between a man and a woman. So the covenant, assembly, the covenant God has with his people is between God and his people. But his people have turned away from that covenant. There's no honesty again. They turned away and moved and turned to other gods. But brothers, truly, our actions or inactions does not regulate God's word, God's love towards us. But it will be foolish to think that his love does not demand our loyalty. It will be foolish to think that because my actions or inactions does not regulate God's love towards me, to think that God's love will not demand our loyalty. Because, church, we're in covenant relationship in Christ. And that covenant demands our loyalty. No steadfast love. The covenant obligation of God's people to love Him with all their heart and soul and to be compassionate and merciful to one another, one another is lacking here. And that's what Hosea is saying. That you have a covenant with your God and you have a part to play in this covenant. There is that obligation for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And there is that obligation also to be merciful and compassionate with one another. But this was lacking in Israel. The people of God no longer love one another. But the question is, is how can they love one another when they did not love the God? They love their God. How can you love your spouse when you feel in loving, when you're feeling your covenant with God? And this is what Hosea was telling them. That you have an obligation to God. But you're not doing that, definitely. And it's so sure that this, because you're not fulfilling your obligation to God, you will not be merciful to one another. And Hosea also tells them that you, there's no knowledge of God in the land. I mean, this is strange. Israel is called, they're called the people of God. 
And Hosea is saying that there is no knowledge of God in the land. And that knowledge there refers to both intellectual and experiential knowledge. So my people are destroyed in verse 6 of our text for lack of knowledge. Now he went on, and I want you to see how deep this indictment is. He said, because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of, the, of your God, I will also forget your children. Now, this is it. The issue isn't that God did not reveal himself. Rather, his people have rejected the knowledge of God and they have forgotten the law of God. On the contrary, God revealed himself. He revealed himself in creation. He revealed himself in special revelation to Israel, to his people. And throughout history, God has revealed himself. But the two key words that I want you to notice here today in this text is this. Reject and forget. This is a willful and intentional rebellion against God. How did a chosen people, how did a people chosen to be treasured possession of God amongst all nations, how did a people loved by God, cared for by God, delivered from bondage from Egypt to the promised land, completely reject and forget God's law? How did Israel come to this point? The Bible tells us how. Deuteronomy 6, 10 to 25, the Bible shows us how. When the children of Israel were preparing to go into the land, the Bible said that God said in verse 10 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, house full of good things that you did not fill, cisterns that you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Lord warned them that when you get into that land, the one that you did nothing for, that the blessings that you never did anything, you never moved a finger for, be careful. The same verse went on to say, say, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods and the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face of the earth. He went on to warn them, and said, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that he may go well, that it may go well with you, and that you will go in and take possession 
of the good land that the Lord, the Lord has sworn to your fathers. And when your sons, in time to come, when your sons ask you, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slave in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Brothers and sisters, and when you eat and are full, take care lest you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. This is what happened to the children of Israel. This is what Hosea was calling them to. And this is how and why they forgot the Lord your God. Brothers and sisters, take heed and do not make of your liberty in Christ a license to do as you please. Rather, be humble by the fact that you did not earn it, but was grace, was by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. We did not do anything for our salvation. I love to repeat this over and over again. And our brothers and sisters, I plead with you to say this to yourself over and over again. You did not earn it. You did nothing. And this is what the children of Israel failed to understand. When they were full, when the blessings were surrounding them, when they wake up in the morning and they don't have to think of the next meal, when they go to bed sleeping knowing that they are secured, they forgot the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt. What a great nation the Lord has ordained that you, and you will be, you'll be born, you and I will be born. For some of us, we eventually migrated into this great nation. The largest, economy, the largest economy in the world. The United States of America. The land of the free, the home of the brave. Don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating that U.S. is a Christian nation. This is my point. What's your response to the blessings that the Lord has surrounded you with? Is your response, praise God from whom all blessings flow? Or are you caught up with the fact that you believe that your nation is so blessed and you can go around and do whatever you please? What's our response to everyday blessings that the Lord has surrounded us with, that he has blessed us with? Take it, brothers, least in your convenience, in your comfort, forget the Lord your God. Least in your comfort, Forget the law of the Lord your God and reject his knowledge. Hosea didn't finish that whole controversy with just no faithfulness, no steadfast love, no knowledge of God. He went on to say that the Lord has a contention with his priests. The Lord has a contention with his leaders. And we see that in our verse 4 to 5 of our text. In verse 4, he said, Yet let no one contend and let none accuse. For with you is my contention, O priest. You shall stumble by day, and the prophet also shall stumble with you by night. And I will destroy your mother. Now these are the defendants of God's truth. These are the teachers of God's law. And God is saying, I have a contention with you. 
God speaking through Hosea that the priest and the prophet will stumble by day suggests to us that they failed in their responsibility of presenting the perfect law of God to the people of God always. Just last month, we heard a very wonderful sermon from our, our dear Pastor Sam on the qualification and the role of an elder. So I say to this preacher standing before you today and the rest of the elders of Redeemer Baptist Church, excuse me, I say pay attention to yourself. Give yourself to the study of God's word and to prayer. Never fail to proclaim the gospel of Christ to the people and to remind them of the covenants, the, com- the covenant, the commandment, and the goodness of God. Church, let us examine ourselves. And hold on to the law of God that is able to keep us from sinning. Let us look at our lives daily through the lens of Scripture. Let us bind the Word of God in our heart. Let it put it before us. Let it be our guide. Don't be ashamed to tell people that you have a biblical worldview. Let them curse you and do whatever for it. Examine yourself today and hold on to the law of God. Now, let's examine the next question. What is the result of breaking this covenant? Because there is a result for breaking the covenant, for breaking, for breaking the law. There is a consequences for it. You get a ticket for a speeding illumine. There is a consequence for it. Now, Zia shows us in chapter two, in verse, in verse two to three, the consequence. What happened for breaking this law? In verse two, we see there is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. He went on to say in verse two, they break all bounds and bloodshed. Flows, follows bloodshed. Verse 3 says, Therefore the land mourns, and all who dwell in it anguish, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. First, we see here a spiritual impact to breaking that covenant. We see that the people of God became lawless. Lawlessness was the order of the day. Here, Hosea says that they were stealing, committing adultery. The things that the Lord, God gave them commandment to not to do became the order of the day. When Israel broke the covenant, instead of order, what we see is disorder. Instead of, God, instead of people adhering strictly to the law of God, what we see is lawlessness. We see men not honoring their agreements. Said they break all bounds. It didn't say that they break some bounds. It said they break all bounds. And as we look at this text today, as we ponder and think about this message today, I want you to look at those keywords there and how Hosea was declaring this message to them and why this controversy was 
very important because the words he was using, they break all bounds. They rejected the knowledge of God. They forget the law of God. That is a great accusation. They didn't just break some bounds. They broke all bounds. And what does that mean? Fathers were not honoring the agreement to their family. Husbands were breaking their covenant. Wives were breaking their covenant. Children were disobedient to their, their, their parents. For Israel, for the whole nation of Israel, it was chaos, disorder, and dishonoring. There was no regard whatsoever for human life. He said, bloodshed, follow bloodshed. And we go ahead and we see again, there was economic impact. Everything about the land became negative. Nothing was working again. It went ahead to describe what was going there to show, to help us to see the, 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 how grievous this was. Even the beasts of the fields, the fish in the sea, were impacted by this. And what does that mean to us? There was an economic impact to the people of God breaking his covenant. There was a political impact to it, and there was an economic impact to it. Now, the people being destroyed does not mean that the people of Israel were zapped out of the, uh, the, uh, the continent. But the people being destroyed means there was a consistent, constant spiritual decline. There was a consistent, constant spiritual decline. The people were falling away from God because of their willful actions. To the church, I say, our loyalty is to Christ. Our loyalty is also for, to one another, to love one another, and to seek the Lord. What does this loyalty look like for us? Living a godly life. What does this loyalty look like to us? Preaching the gospel of Christ to the lost. What does this loyalty look like to us as a, ch as a church? Not choosing to go watch a real football or American football game. Not choosing to go watch a God-dishonoring concert over worshiping God with the saints on the Lord's day. That's what it means like for us. That we would choose the Lord's day over anything else. For many of us, it's easy to talk about loving someone with our unbelieving neighbor or our co-worker, but uneasy to talk about the love of Christ displayed on the cross. For some of us, it's easy to talk about social justice issues, but uneasy to talk about the just God who will punish sin. Brothers, this is a call to us this morning, a call to examine our lives. It's easy to look at this and say, oh, no, this is Israel. This is not me. But brothers, look at your life. Examine yourself. 
Let us all examine ourselves today. Are we living a godly life? Examine yourself today. Are we loyal to that covenant in Christ? By standing firm in the gospel. By giving ourselves to the study of God's word. By giving ourselves to prayer. By preaching the gospel to the lost. Can your co-worker say to you, say somewhere and say, hey, I've been with him for, I've been his co-worker for the last decade. I've never heard him say that Jesus died for my sin. Is that a testimony that we have? Can our neighbor say about us that of the truth, we are believers, not because we go to church. That's a good thing. But because we have presented the gospel to them. And we are not ashamed of that. Finally, brothers, this is a call to biblical theology. And what do I mean by that? Because it's all about knowing God and his plan of salvation, which he has established in Christ in the covenant of grace. What is more important and relevant than eternal life? Even an unbeliever wants to have eternal life. I bet you also ask anyone deep in sin who knows is a sinner, he, wants, he or she wants eternal life. Nobody wants to die. So nothing is more important and relevant than eternal life with our God who loved us and chose us in himself. And this is eternal life that they, what? Know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom we are sent. That's eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God. Knowing the only true God and Christ whom he has sent. And that's what Hosea was, complete, was, was presenting to the people of Israel. That you have broken that covenant. You need to come back. It's not about all these things you're doing. It's about knowing God. And knowing the Messiah, Christ, whom he has sent. And Paul told us in, in Philippians chapter 3, he said that, But whatever gain I had, I count them as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There's nothing, nothing as precious and great as knowing Christ. Nothing. Take that from a Muslim, someone who was, used to be a Muslim. There's nothing as precious as that. There's nothing that surpasses the worth of knowing God. Nothing. And that's why Hosea was at the top of his voice when he said to them, I believe he was really, really raising his voice and saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord has a controversy against you. You have failed in your responsibility. Because there's nothing greater than knowing the God. Paul said that I may know him. The power of his resurrection. 
I'm in his suffering. I'm become like him in death. Brothers and sisters, what a great God we have. What a loving Father who daily pours his love out to us. But we have a responsibility. A responsibility to know him. A responsibility to daily, daily give ourselves to the Lord. The constant faithful teaching of God's word by, his, by the elders and the church's undivided attention to God's word being taught is important not only to the health of the church, but to our faithfulness to Christ. It is important. A quick application for us today before I close is this. How do you define economic prosperity? How do you define blessing? How do you define spiritual growth? How do you define progress. Now, if all of this question, if you begin the definition with yourself, you have missed the point. And that's what happened to the children of Israel here in this text. If we begin the definition and what blessing is from ourselves, we have missed the point. Because all blessings comes from the Lord. And when you are comfortable, do what is needful. And what is that? Say, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Husbands, you have a duty to that covenant of marriage. And what is that duty to love your wife in spite of who she is? Wives, you have a duty to that covenant. To be loyal to your husband in all ways. Church, we have a duty to the Lord our God. To be loyal to our Christ, our Savior. In all ways. To be faithful. Faithfully living a godly life. Faithfully preaching the gospel and proclaiming the truth. Faithfully loving one another. Faithfully. Giving ourselves to the study of God's word. Faithfully seeking after the Lord our God. That is our duty. And children, you also have a duty here to obey your parents in the Lord. I close by, ask, by answering one last question, which is, why did I call this a good controversy? 
Why is it a good controversy? Because you'd have expected that God is angry with his people. Why is this a good controversy? Because, brothers, this is a reminder of God's love for us. That God will not leave us to ourselves. Will not leave us to destruction. But he's calling us, reminding us of that covenant. What a great thing this is. This is humbling for us to know that the Lord God who loved us in spite of who we are. And we broke this covenant and yet he is coming back after us, reminding us. Telling us, I have a controversy with you. He is reminding us of our covenant. He's reminding us of our duty. So that's why this is a good controversy. Because this is a call from our God. Reminding us of what we need to do. And also this is a good controversy because it's a call to repentance. If you have failed in your responsibility as a husband, it's a call to repentance. If you have failed in your responsibility as a wife, it's a call to repentance. If you have failed in your responsibility as an elder to the body of Christ, it's also a call to repentance. Oh yes, we are not left out, brethren. We are not. If you have failed in your responsibility... As children, it's a call to repentance. As church, loving one another, it's a call to repentance. If we have failed in that responsibility, it's a call to repentance today. What a loving God. What a great God. Coming after his people. If God leaves us alone, he has every right to do so. But yet... He's coming after us this morning and calling us to repentance again. What a great love this is, brothers and sisters. What a great love. And what a great God we have. But this is, just for, this is for God's people. God is coming after His own. If you're here today, you're not part, you're not part of God's people this is not him coming after you. But rather, it is God's judgment that is after you today. The wrath of God. But also today, you have that opportunity to experience the love of God. And today you have that opportunity to turn away from your sinful ways. And God is calling you today. Like I said, if any man... Any man, black, white, blue, green, yellow, red, any man. If you've got southern accent or not, any man, wherever you are from, if any man be in Christ, any man, you have that opportunity today. Turn from your evil ways. And like I love it, like I like to say today and always, kiss the sun.